this has been a wonderful night so far. The, the banquet was incredible. The uh, gathering of all these nations together are quite wonderful. The music, the testimony. It reminds me of a scripture in the Bible uh, I want to read to you out of Revelation. It says in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, And after this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number, of all nations and kindred and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God! which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. This is a time in the future that's coming. A time when not just this amount of nations, and this is amazing for church, of church to have this many nations uh, involved in one meeting here in this church. There's coming a time when the Bible says that all nations, there'll be people from all nations gathered around the throne of God, and they'll be giving praise to God. And that's going to be after uh, the time that God comes, we know. And then it'll be a time probably after that your life is over. And this is the question that I want to ask you tonight. If that when that happens, or if that would even happen now, if the, if the Lord would come now, would you be in that group? Would you be around the throne of God? You say, well, I don't really know. Well, I'd like to do something tonight if we uh, could, please. We have so many nations that are represented here and so many nationalities, so many uh, languages. We just heard this amazing presentation and testimony out of a language. And it would be impossible for me to stand here tonight and to show you in all of these different uh, languages how that you can one day make sure that you will be with that, that group around the throne of God one day. That one day that you, after your life is over, you will actually be present with God. But since I don't know all those languages, I just know one. I'm American, so I just know one language. But, and that would be English. I would like to give this message to you in the original language that it was given, the language of the Jewish people. Now, you have to understand, I'm not going to give it to you in Hebrew, which is what I was given, but I'm going to give it to you in a translation of the original language, which was Hebrew. So what I'd like to do tonight is take a few minutes, and I'd like to be able to share with you the story of salvation the story from the ancient Word of God, the Hebrew Scriptures, and from there show you this plan that God has for all nations so that one day that they might stand before Him and they might be glorifying God and they would have eternal life. So let's quickly go there. I want you to look up on the screen. Uh, you can follow this, uh, this story in the Tanakh. And we're going we're to show uh, this, the Jerusalem road. Often we talk about the Romans road. That is the gospel the message, the plan of salvation uh, in the book of Romans. And we use that because it's a very good plan. But I'd like to show you tonight from the, from the Tanakh. What is the Tanakh? The Tanakh is the Old Testament. The Tanakh is, is the Hebrew scripture that's given. And this is the ancient message of what God has done in order that you might have eternal life. Let's first look 
at the problem. The fallen nature of men. We have all been born as sinners. We were born as sinners. That came from the teaching from the Hebrew scriptures. For there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. There's no one on the face of this earth that has been born and not sinned. Why? Because the Bible is very clear that we were born sinners uh, because of the fall of man and mankind. You know the story in Genesis when uh, Adam and Eve and they fell in the Garden of Eden. And because of that sin entered into mankind. And so the ancient Hebrew scripture says, there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Surely there is not. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. Every one of us have gone aside. And they are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. This is talking about in the history of mankind, in all of humanity. There is none that's ever just done good all of their life. There's been something that they have disobeyed God. And you know in your own heart, if we're honest, it's true for every one of us. As a, even as a child, and I remember my wife giving her testimony. Even as a young child, she told a lie. And she felt so convicted that she went to her mother and said, I know that I'm not right because I lied. And all of us, no doubt, have lied at one time or another. But there's all men have sinned before God. There's none that doeth good. No, not one before God. And then, but we see that uh, the Bible likens us unto sheep. All we like as sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So the Bible says that we're just like little sheep that have wandered. And, and, and we have gone our own way, not the way God wants us to go. And so through the Hebrew scriptures, we find that we're like sheep lost before God. But God has, uh, uh, says that there's a wage to this. That, In other words, if, if there is sin, there's going to be a cost to that sin. And so we know the Hebrew scriptures say, Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. And the soul that sinneth, it shall die. And we all know that in humanity, death has passed upon men and we live this life. The Bible says our life is like a vapor. It, it just comes and goes so quickly. And yet we're going quickly toward this time when we know that we're going to go off into eternity, that we're going to die. But it was worse than that. When man sinned, they not only had a shortness of their life that was cut short, they were going to die, but also they were going to not only go into physical death, but they would go into eternal death, inter eternal separation from God. This is what uh, happened when man fell. The Bible says, uh, then cast away from you all your transgression, whereby ye have transgressed, and make you a new heart and a new spirit. So why will you die, O house of Israel? So you see God speaking to the Jewish people and saying, listen, you're a part of this group that has fallen and sin has entered into your uh, life and you are going to die. But why will you die eternally? Why will you die, O house of Israel? 
For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord. So there is a God that says, I don't have pleasure in this. I, I don't want this for you. I don't want you to die and go into eternity without uh, receiving eternal life. And so wherefore, he says, uh, turn yourself and live you. He say, you need to turn away from this. Well, where do you turn? Well, you turn to the love of God. You turn to God's love for you. And so we see in Jeremiah chapter 31, and this was given to the house of Israel, but it's true for all nations. The Bible says, The Lord hath appeared unto, of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, uh, uh, with, uh, therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. So he's saying, I, I have this mercy upon you. I love you with an everlasting love. And God is saying to all humankind today, to all nations, to everyone here in this auditorium tonight, that he loves you with an everlasting love. He, doesn't, he does not want you to die and go off into eternity uh, and not have eternal life. When it, the Bible says about Israel, when Israel was a child, I loved them and called my son out of Egypt. This week we've been studying about how that God, through Moses, went and, and he sent Moses into Egypt to rescue his people out of bondage. Moses went in and, he, uh, to, and through the power of God he was able to bring all of those children of Israel out of bondage of Egypt. And, uh, and the God is saying to them, I called you out of this bondage. And today, God is wanting to do that for all mankind. He's wanting to call them out of the bondage that they're under. The Bible says in Proverbs that you are holding with the cords of your iniquity. And even though you may not realize you're in bondage, when you are without God, when you're without salvation, you're in bondage to, to sin and so we need to see how God loves us and he wants to call us out of that bondage. And that is why God sent his only son. So he says, I drew them with the cords of a man, with bands of love. And I was to them as they uh, that take off the yoke on their jaws and I laid meat upon them. That's an interesting scripture that God gave to the Jewish people. He now says it to all nations. And what he's saying is this, I bought you out of bondage, but I brought you out. So I could relieve your sin. He says, I, I brought you out with the cords of love. And what that means is that he took these gentle cords like a nurse does to a baby. And he brought them out of bondage gently so that they would have relief from their bondage. And then he says, I took off the yoke that was on their jaws. And that's a representation of the slavery that were, they were in. And he, it's like he took the yoke that was on the animal and he released it. Well, he released that on the children of Israel so that they could breathe and they could have freedom and they would be relieved of their bondage. And that, that's, the, that's what God is promising to them uh, if they would just turn to him. But they need to realize that this is the only way for them to receive this. That no amount of good that they do uh, could amount to them being set free. Uh, good works can never bring salvation. This is taught in the ancient Hebrew scriptures all the way through the word of God. The Bible says, but we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousness, everything that we could do, all the good works 
are as filthy rags before God. And we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. You say, well, Brother Frampton, does that mean that uh, the good that I do means nothing? Oh, yes, it's good to do good things. It's good to have good works. But what this Bible is saying and what God is saying through the ancient Hebrew scriptures is that the works that you are doing, although they might be good and all they might help your fellow man, and those are wonderful, it won't give you righteousness with God. It won't make you right before God. That's the big difference. So no matter how hard you work, how, how, much, how many good works you do, how many good things you do for your fellow man, which are all wonderful, it doesn't change your standing before God. So what does the Bible say? The Bible says, He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. The Bible is saying to the Hebrew people and yea to all the nations of the world. There's only one way that you can be delivered and it can't be by your good works. It's got to be through the salvation that God offers. Only he is the one. Only God can do that. Well, how does God do that? The Bible is very clear on this. God required a blood sacrifice. We see that in, in all through the Old Testament, through the Tanakh. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And, the, and God says to every, all nations, that I have given it unto you upon the altar. He gave this to Israel first to make an atonement for your souls. So we know that the ancient sacrifices, when temples stood in Jerusalem, that the ancient sacrifices were given for an atonement. And, and once a year, the, the high priest would go into the holy place and he would make an atonement with the blood on the holy place so that it would cover the sins of the nation of Israel. Uh, and so he says, that's the only way for you, Israel, that, that you can find a covering for your sin. It's the blood that maketh an atonement for the sin. And so for one year, they would be safe with God because of that atonement. But every year, they would have to repeat that over and over again in order to be made so that they would not, uh, uh, they would not be judged for their sins. But now the Bible uh, gives this invitation. It says, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. So what is God saying to the nation of Israel? God is saying this. Your, your sins are atoned for, but actually they need to be washed away. They need to be cleansed. That's the way you'll be set free. That the, your sins would be cleansed by this blood. Well, it goes on to say that salvation then is not by works. It's actually by faith. When the, when the Israelites would bring in the blood atonement and they would take the sacrifice into the temple, it was an act of faith before God. And they would say, God, we know that you're requiring this for the atonement for our sins. Salvation is by faith. Trust in him at all time, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us, Selah. God is the only refuge for those that are going to be forgiven for their sins. It must be God that you go to in faith, in trust. 
The Bible even says to the Hebrew people, kiss the son lest ye be angry and you perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. So what is the Bible saying that the Hebrew scriptures are saying to us right here that it's not anything but trust. It's faith before God. What is trust? Trust is like trusting this chair. If I'm if I can believe that this chair exists. But when I trust this chair is when I sit down on it is when it supports me. And the Bible is saying here that is like it is with the atonement and with the blood sacrifice. You need to trust in that for the cleansing of your sins. Well, what does the Tanakh say about this coming Messiah? And they were looking forward to the fact that one day there would be someone that would come that would rescue them as a nation. Well, the Bible gives gives a clear picture of the coming of this Messiah, this long-awaited Messiah that would help them. The Bible says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. The name Emmanuel means God with us. We're getting ready to celebrate the Christmas season, all the Christians, and that is the celebration of the time when God sent his only begotten son. And he sent him in the form of a man. He was born in Bethlehem. It, it, uh, the Bible says in the Hebrew scriptures that he would be, uh, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So this would be God in flesh that would come in the likeness of man, long prophesied in the Hebrew scriptures, throughout the Hebrew scriptures, and here, that one day God would send his son as, as God in flesh and he would uh, do a work that would deliver his people. He would come through the uh, city of Bethlehem. But thou Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of these shall come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. So this, this baby that was born in Bethlehem, this baby that was born and come from God, he would be born of a virgin and there he, he, he would be God in flesh. And the Bible tells us a lot about this Messiah. And it says that one day this Messiah would grow up and the Bible says that he would give his life like that lamb, he would give his life as a ransom and his blood for the forgiveness of sin. So here it is right here. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Now listen. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. This was the ancient prophecy of when Jesus, the Messiah, would come, would grow up. He would go to the cross and there he would be beaten. And he would be nailed to a cross and he would shed his blood. There was a a prophet that came just before him and he announced his coming and he would say this, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. 
He would be the one that would relieve from bondage and he would be the one that would give forgiveness of sin through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was long prophesied in the scriptures. So it says, therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices and my flesh shall rest in hope. For thou will not leave my soul in hell, neither will I suffer thine holy one to see corruption. But the story doesn't end on the cross. So the Lord uh, died on the cross for the whole world, for every nation. He shed his blood for you. He shed his blood for me. And then he was buried. And after he was buried, the Bible says in the Hebrew scriptures that he would not leave his soul in hell. In other words, in the grave. But he would come forth and he would resurrect. And the gospel message which came through the Hebrew scriptures to all nations is this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And this is the invitation through the Hebrew scriptures that will get you to the throne of God after you die, that will cause you to be in the presence of the Lord. You say, how do I do this? You have to apply this to your life. Listen, in the ancient, uh, in the ancient time in back in Egypt that we've been studying about this week and, and emphasizing uh, when they were going to be delivered from sin, God gave them a commandment. He said that they were to take a little lamb and they would sacrifice the little lamb and they would, they would kill this lamb. It would be a lamb that would be spotless, as, as without blemish. And they would kill this lamb. This was in ancient Egypt. And then they would take the blood and uh, the Bible says they would take the blood and they would put it over their doorpost. And, and in ancient Egypt, the Bible says that God was going to come pass over with, and the angel of death would come over. And if the blood was not on the lentil on the doorpost, the story we know from the word of God is that the, that the eldest in that house would die. All the firstborn would die. So in order to escape that death, they by faith, put the blood over, over the lintel so that they would not die. And the way that Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood, we can all know about that, but that's not enough. It must be applied to our life by faith, just like I illustrated by a trust. You say, well, I know that story. I've heard that story since a child. I know those scriptures. I celebrate Christmas. I, all those things. We know that Jesus is the Son of God. We know he came to die on the cross. We know that he resurrected again. But just knowing that is not enough. Just having that knowledge is not enough. You say, well, what do I do, Brother Frampton? You need to apply it to your life. And tonight... You may think that you came just for a dinner, and you, and you did. It was great. And I enjoyed that so much. But you know what? This is a God thing. God brought you here tonight. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've never taken the knowledge of what I just shared out of the Hebrew Scriptures and applied it to your life, then you won't stand before God. But rather you'll stand before the judgment of God. Because the Bible says if your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, then you will not have eternal life. And the only way that happens is through the blood of Jesus Christ being applied to your life. So God has no pleasure 
in the death of, of, of sin, of sinners. He has offered this eternal life to you. And I pray tonight that you'll do that. If you've never had a time in your life where you uh, have applied that to your life, then you need to do that tonight. And I'll end with this illustration and we're going to have a time of prayer. The man who, who founded our, our organization was a Jewish man and he was raised to believe everything I said here in the sense of the Hebrew scriptures. But listen, he never had applied it to his life until he read the scriptures I gave to you tonight. And then he did. He, he was reading that and he recognized that it was Jesus who is the Messiah. And he fell on his knees before God and he said, God, I realize that I'm a sinner and I need to be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. I want to apply that to my life tonight and I want to be cleansed from my sins, please, that I might have eternal life. And you know what happened? That's exactly what happened. He received that eternal life that night there in New York City. That's happened to me when I was 17. It happened to this brother when he was 17. Uh, maybe you're here tonight and you may be much older than that. There's no limit to God's grace. He will save you tonight.